Hello, my name is Wade Sharp. I am a second year student at Providence Baptist College and welcome to Maverick Messages, where you will hear the soul-stirring sermons that we hear each and every school day. Please enjoy the following Maverick Message. Second Corinthians chapter nine, second Corinthians chapter nine and verse six and seven. Second Corinthians nine, six and seven says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. My dad was a farmer growing up, and uh, my grandpa owned a farm. I think at the peak they did about 1,000 acres. Uh, these days you can do a lot more than 1,000 acres, but we're talking this would have been 50, probably 50-some years ago, and so the machinery wasn't quite like what it was. They would go out to the field, and at the end of the season, they would harvest, right? And then they'd till up the ground. In the springtime, they would go and prepare, and then they'd start to plant the seed. And I'm sure they were very, very careful. If they knew that you would get one bag of seed per acre or whatever for 100 acres, I don't, they weren't going to go and just put exactly one bag of seed in there. If they could turn it up just a little, make sure that everything got, a, uh, that every area in the ground was planted with seed. They, they sowed, not sparingly. It wasn't like, well, let's just put a little bit less back, and hopefully God's going to bless more, right? They would go and they would plant and make sure the entire field was planted. And there's ways that they'll go, and even the little trying the corners of the, 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 the property, they would try to get every last square foot of ground that their tractor could reach. They wanted to get every little piece of ground. You leave the church going towards uh, Bowes Road, right, the train tracks. If you look on the other side of the train tracks in the springtime, you won't see it now, that part of ground is like a triangle. And you will see as in the spring, they will plant every, and it's probably just a couple acres, but they will plant everything that they can in that couple acres. Why? They want the increase. They know they're not going to get anything if they don't sow. So we see, and, and he, he's, he's likening that, but then he says in 7, as we read, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. If you go to Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, verse 33. Acts chapter 20, verse 33 through 35 says, I have coveted no man's silver nor gold or, or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you, and, uh, I have showed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of our Lord Jesus. He said, it is more blessed to what? Give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. God loveth a cheerful giver. The title of the message today is, It's Time to Give. It is our time to give. And not that you haven't been giving. And we're going to go through different areas. And I know the first thing you're thinking of, and we're going to hit it, is money. That's not the only thing that we need to give today. But it is our time to step up and give. And we're going to go through, through a few areas of that today. Let's pray, and then we'll get into the message. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be able to preach chapel. I pray that you speak through me today. Lord, if there's anything you don't want me to say, I pray that uh, I will leave it out, and I pray that you fill me, give me wisdom with what to say, and that it can be a blessing today. In your name I pray, amen. In 1955, William was born in Seattle, Washington. By the age of 12, he and his friend Paul began to show interest in computers. And at school, the, uh, their school asked them to create a computerized schedule of classes. Now, this is before, obviously, this is right when computers came out. This is not when you have Windows and all these operating systems. I mean, it was just a screen, and you would type in a bunch of numbers, and something would pop up. 
At age 18, he entered uh, Harvard as a pre-law major and quickly run through the university's most rigorous math and graduate-level computer science programs. After two years, he calls MIT, uh, and uh, he starts making software for personal computers. In 1976, at the age of 21, William and Paul registered their company's trademark of Microsoft, Bill Gates. In 1987, he was quoted as saying that there will be a computer on every desk in every home running Microsoft software. And I know even you, you Apple fans, a lot of you will still have Office, Microsoft process on your uh, computers. And so, and, and, and he did, right? And, and, we, and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Um, at age 31, he had become the world's youngest billionaire ever at that time. At 31 years old, he was a billionaire. That means two years ago for me, I'm 33, I'm going to be 33 soon. So two years ago for me, just a few years removed from you, he's already a billionaire. Not because he inherited a bunch, but he, he worked for it and created software for it. Today, he's the fourth richest man worth an estimated $123.7 billion. Now, what's a billion? I know we look at that and we're like, how in the world? Like, I, I don't understand a billion. So to put it in perspective, if we take $100 bills, you stack them flat, you stack them you know, up and try to make a billion, that's 0.63 miles. That's from here to Dunkin' Donuts. That's $1 billion. Just to put a little bit into perspective, you know, what it would be. His worth today, if you were to line that up, you could line that from here to Navy Pier and all the way back. That's what, a, that, that's what $124 billion looks like if you were to stack it up. That's a lot of money. He's not even the richest man in the world. And I'm, and I'm not trying to, I'm not glorifying him. But there's something interesting in, 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 in a wicked and sinful man and a heathen man Listen what happened in, in, in 2010. 2010, he along with a couple other uh, entrepreneurs and people that were millionaires and billionaires founded, a, had a foundation that they started called the Giving Pledge. Not a lot of people know about this. And, and today there's actually hundreds of millionaires and billionaires that are part of that. And when they get a part of that pledge, you go online, you look at the Giving Pledge, you can see everyone that's on that. Um, uh, Mackenzie Bezos, she's on that. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is on it. A bunch of other multi-million and billionaires are on it. And what they said, by the end of their life, they're going to give away a majority, at least 50.1% of their income to charities. That's a lot of money. Now, up until, and I, I didn't look recently, but up until probably just a few years ago, he had given away, uh, where do I have it here? He had given away almost four, $40 billion to charity, Bill Gates alone. His biggest payment was $4.6 billion to a charity. Hello, Bill Gates, Providence Baptist College, Northwest Bible Baptist Church. You can support our missionary. Just give us, just give us, no. But what did he realize? He realized it's more blessed to give than to receive. And the sad thing is, us Christians, now we don't make, and I'm not trying to say we need to try to make that much money. Now, if, if God doesn't, if God wants you to make lots and lots of money, be a millionaire, do it. If that's the God's plan for you, great. I'm not saying don't try to make money. But we can learn from the billionaires and millionaires that we're not going to do that big scale. I'm not going to give away $40 billion in my life. But it's time we start to give. It's sad that we have heathen people, wicked, ungodly people that said, I'll give of my income, I'll give this, and before I die, I will give at least half of what I have to charities. And yet we're so stingy with our money. Except when it comes to different things that I want. And I'm not saying, and there's times, you, 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 I'm not saying don't live by a budget. That's not what I'm trying to say here. They live by a budget. Now, their budget is huge, okay? But they, they do. They, they got that way because they live by a budget, okay? 
and, and live by a budget, and your budget may only have a certain allotted that you can give that's left over. I mean, don't, be, don't be foolish and say, I'm going to give all this money to a bunch of charities or, or even to my bus, and then I can't pay my school bill. Okay, God's not going to bless stupidity and foolishness. I obviously, take care of that. But inside that, there's an area that you can give. And we see that here. The problem is it's all about me. This generation, it's all about me. What can you do for me? What do you have to offer me? You go to a job you want more, but you're, we're not going to be satisfied with $22 an hour. because I, And I'm not saying you shouldn't look for more, but it's what can you offer me? Pastor, I'm going to work at your church. What do you offer me? I want a 401k plan. I want this. I want $50,000 a year. I want this and this. And I'm not going to come and work at your church if you don't give me that. And I don't think that's your attitude. But it's all about me. What can you give me? What, is this, what does providence have to benefit me? Why, what can I get? Now, there's a lot you can get from it. But it's not a, it shouldn't be a selfish thing. It should be a, it should be a, a, a reservoir. We're going, we're, a chant, we're trying to push it all back to God, giving God the glory, giving away to others what he gives to us. Instead of just give it to me. It's all about me. Selfies. Take a pictures of ourselves all the time. And I'm not saying that you're wicked for doing that. But it, what are you doing? You're taking pictures of yourself. It's all about me. Look at me. Look where, look where I'm at. Look what I have. Look what I did today. Instead of saying, look what God's done. Or just not even saying it and just, just ignoring it for a little bit. Instead of it just being so self-centered. When someone says your name, what do they think? Selfish? Proud? It's all about them? I want to go and try to talk to them, and all they're going to say is tell me what they got, or, or they got the latest gadget, and they're going to show, and I'm not saying don't get the different gadgets, and don't, have, don't get another car, or don't get things like that, but if that's all you ever talk about, it's just yourself, it's a pretty boring life. Let me just tell you, you're not that interesting. And neither am I. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not that interesting that we could talk about myself for hours and hours on end and just keep talking about myself, okay? I'm really not that interesting. I'll just be honest with you, and neither are you. So we, but what we should, and I'm not saying, and you, I'm not going to give caveats to everything. You're, you're all nice people. You're wonderful people in here. You stay in college. You're wonderful. You're, you're so interesting. Okay, no. What I'm trying to say is we should give, we should, we should be looking, what can I give for God what can I do what he says instead of what can it profit me? How can I profit the kingdom of God? How can I profit the, the Lord? What can I do for him instead of what can be done for me? What are some ways that we could give? First off, Ephesians 5.16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The first thing we can give is we can give of our time. Now, we only have so much of it, right? We hear at the beginning of every spring or a fall semester where the Hallberg comes up here and what does he talk about? The unrenewable resource. Right? Do you remember that? I know some of, it in, in, uh, some of you that just came this semester, you haven't heard it yet. You'll hear it next fall. And he goes through budgeting your time where he'll go and he'll put a schedule up here. And he'll go and he'll say, fill out the schedule. Right? He'll hand it out to you and you can fill your, your time, what you do. What do you do with your time? Have, have some fun. Have a time where you relax. You need to have time where you can unwind and you can do that. But is it all about me, 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 me? Your free time that you have? This, there, was, there was a study that they did. Now, this is if you live 80 years. This is what they say we do, the average American does. 28 years we spend sleeping, not in college, but late, that, that's about eight hours a day, roughly. And I know you may, you're not going to get that now, but you may be able to get that at a point, seven to eight hours a day sleeping. So 28 years sleeping in your lifetime. We need to sleep. 15 years working and doing work-related activities. You will spend 15 years of your life working. Uh, 15 years, 13 years relaxing. They say in our life, we'll spend 13, the average American spends 13 years relaxing. I know you're like, that is no way. There's no way that I'm going to do that. But once you get out of this schedule, you're going to have a little bit more time on your hand. And you can do that. You can go and you can sit down and you can spend just a little bit of time relaxing. Seven years doing household activities. 
Six years caring for children. When you have kids one day, you'll spend six years of your life caring for them, changing diapers, doing different things, taking them to sport, doing different, you know, playing with them. You'll spend six years of your life. Five years, uh, five and a half years socializing and communicating, social, including social media. Four years eating and drinking, some a little bit more, some a little bit less. <laughs> I'm working on a little bit less here. I got a ways to go, but I'm working on eating a little bit less. One and a half years traveling to work. And you total all of this up, do you know what that is? That's 80 years. Now, th this is not Christians. I'm not saying, I, but where's God in that? And the average American, there's no room for God. They can't go to church on Sunday for one hour or two hours on a Sunday morning or an hour Sunday night or to Wednesday night, just a few hours at church. They can't fit four hours in their week because they're, we're too busy doing everything else. And then there's things that are important. Go to work. But where's our time for God? Have we given him a little bit of time lately? Have we given him time in our devotions? Quantity or quality time? You've heard, as kids, you know, it, it, when they teach, when they're preaching to, to parents, do you give your kid quality time or do you give them quantity time? Quality time where I may not have a lot of time, but I'm going to get involved, I'm going to talk with them, I'm not going to have other distractions, I'll spend time with them. Quantity where I give them a lot of time, as, as much as I can. But I say, why not both? Why can't I, and, and your quantity is going to be different. For everyone in here, the quantity that you can spend in your devotion time is going to be different. Some of you get back from work at 2.30 in the morning at 3 in the morning. Okay, and, and, you, and, and I know your schedule is different, and you, you, but you may not have, you can't maybe stay up for 30 minutes in the evening or get up 30 minutes earlier because you need to sleep, but there's still time that you can give God. You can give him quantity, and you can give him quality time. I'd rather spend five minutes in devotions where I could get something from it than 20 minutes just going through, this, just going through the motions. Oh, yeah, I'm going to read, 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 get it done. Now, unfortunately, it takes about 20 or more, more minutes to actually get the filth out of our life so we actually can hear God. So it's going to take more. I'm not saying just spend five. But if that's what it is, then do it. I, I, can't, I, I don't have the time to read through my Bible in a year. It doesn't take that long. You could spend about 15, maybe 20, some of maybe a little bit more minutes reading your Bible a day. But then why not do the New Testament? You know, they've got it. We've got Chase Amen at, at, at six years old. And this is what the, the kids are doing. At, at pastors pushing them to read their Bible. They're reading through the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. Most of the time, it's one chapter a day. Sometimes it's a couple Psalms and maybe a couple smaller chapters in, in, in the New Testament. It's really just one to two chapters a day. You should, maybe you haven't had a time where you've said, I, this is, I read my Bible every day. Start with that. I'd rather you, and I think God would rather you be consistent Every day, give him five or six, and, and, and a chapter a day, and, and when he reads, he'll come out of his room in, in, in his little office. We share an office together. He's got his own desk next to mine, and, and so he has his own office. He shares it with me. I think he thinks it's more his office than it's my office, but it's whatever. He'll come out of there sometimes in five minutes. Sometimes it'll take him ten minutes. But you can't tell me we can't give God just a little bit of time? Start somewhere. Don't just be, okay, I'm just going to read today. No, get a schedule. Do it. Stick by it. You get behind. Catch up on it. It's not impossible to do it. Get caught up. And there's going to be days where you're going to go and say, I, I can only read a really little today, but I'm still going to spend a consistent time and I'm going to do it. I challenge you, while you start now. Don't wait till later because these four years that you have, it's harder. You don't have as much time. But when you start building that schedule and you go in that routine where day after day you're reading your Bible, when you get out, you'll already have that routine instead of trying to start that when you're done with college. And it sounds easier to do, but it's not easier. The older you get, the more that you do. It's going to be harder and harder to start reading your Bible consistently. Start now. Time in devotions. Time out soul winning. 
Do you give God, you've got to give him so much time. I'm not even saying give him more time. Just the time that you have. Do you give him that a lot of time on Saturday for soul winning? And out and about maybe even when you're just passing out tracks. Do we give him time not just to communicate with him, but I get to communicate to others what he's done for me and what he wants to do for them. Discipling on the bus, do we give that time? The, the, the hour we have, and I know some of you have more time, you, know, you have a couple hours on Sunday driving back and forth, but do you give him that time? Do you give your bus kids that time? Quality and quantity time where you truly care about them. You're truly trying to disciple them, not just be a daycare service. Because if we're just a daycare service, it's a waste of our time and a waste of money running the buses. But if we actually want to go to disciple them, and not, I know not everyone can do it, but I appreciate when, when we'll, I'll ask or other people ask, we've got teen program. Can you go? Can you, can you pick? And, and you can't do it every week. I get it. Saturdays and Sundays are your only time that you really have. I get that every hour and every minute is precious. It's precious to you. You just got, you've got very little. But that you'll go and say, I, I can do it this week. I can't do it, but I can, I can do it the week, maybe every other week. Or once a month, I'll, I'll, I'll bring some teens into the teen program. I'll spend just a little bit of time discipling with them. And I'm not trying to say you've got to spend every free second of your life revolved around the ministry where you, you can't get any, you can't even go to the store to buy, you know, cereal in the morning or whatever, you know. But we could give some time to the ministry. We can give some time to class, doing your homework, showing up to class, showing up on time, work, courting. This is the easy way. Some guys are like, I really wish I could give some time to courting. I don't have anyone right now. But you're, you're not going to build that relationship if you don't put some time into it. And, and it's going to do that. And you should. You should put some time into it. Now, don't let God go second tier to your boyfriend or girlfriend at the time. But you should do that. If you want to build that, if you want to know, is this guy a creep or is he really a good guy, you're going to have to spend a little bit of time with him. And, I'm not, and that does not mean that you stare at them for three hours and you don't say a word. Okay, that's just disgusting. You know, actually talk, okay? But it's going to take a little bit of time, and I'm not saying that's bad. But we should be willing to give of our time. Next, give of yourself. Isaiah 6, 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Lord, here I am. I don't know what it is yet. I mean, he knew. Maybe you don't know. I don't know what you have for me, but I, I, I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to give of myself. It's time for us to give. Here, I'm going to give of myself. Going along with it, give of your heart. Matthew 22 says, Lord said unto them, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. You know, I can give you a little bit of my, I can, not just a little, I can give you my heart, God. You work with kids and you want to get their heart. You want them and I want Chase and, and Tucker to, I want to get their heart. And God's the same way. He wants to have your heart. He's just up. He's like, I wish I could just give just a little bit more. But we've got 99.9%, we've got but there's that little 1% that I'm just not quite ready to give to him yet. And we're all at that. It just because we're in ministry, just because you're in authority, doesn't mean you don't have that or it can creep in and the devil will get that. No, I'm, I'm going to give him myself, but not just, I'm going to give my heart. I'm going to go and I'm going to give God my heart. And lastly, some of our, give of our money. And I'm almost through. Give of our money. I'm not going to have a message on it's time to give without talking a little bit about money. And we should. Tithe. And it's just a no-brainer. We should, we should tithe, right? Gross, net. It's what we make, what our entire paycheck is, not after deductions, not after what the government takes out. We need to tithe 10%. And if you don't, and we, Brother Oswardy just mentioned it. You've heard it before. Personal finance, you hear it. That's what God tells you. That's a command from him. Preacher Gomez used to say, I'd rather rob a, a bank at gunpoint than not tithe. And we're like, that's stupid. Why would you want to take a gun and go to a bank and rob them?
But he said, it's, it, and it is, it's a whole lot worse to not to, to rob from God that he would rather rob a bank. Now, don't get any thoughts, okay? There's, there's a guy lately that just got, that, that, that got arrested for robbing a bank. He had a note. He said, please give me your money to the teller. Really, really nice, very polite. So he did. So the teller gave him 600 bucks, and he left. He walks out, and he gets arrested, and guess what? He goes to the judge, and he gets off free, clean, because he didn't show any force. Because he wasn't forcibly saying, I want your money. So, so they let him off, said, no, we're just going to go. And because you didn't actually, you don't get any ideas. Because you know what he did that day? He went back to another bank and did the same exact thing. He got arrested and he's not going to get off that easy. But so don't, don't be like that guy where you say, please give me your money. I would like to have your money. You know, it does. It maybe works one time, but it's not going to work the second time. And I say that it's funny. But when we don't give to God, we're robbing from him. And there is going to be, he's going to get that money somehow. Is it worth it to do it? Yes, it's worth it to do it. Not just that, but what about our, what about offerings? We have our tithes, but what about offerings? Giving. Do you give to missions? Doesn't have to be a lot. Give a little bit. I started at 10 cents a week. I made a dollar. My my parents gave me a dollar allowance when I was five years old. It's not to lift up myself. I actually appreciate my parents doing that. Now, you may have your own opinions on on, on, uh, uh, allowances and all that. But we, I gave 10 cents, gave 10 cents to tithe, 10 cents to missions, and 5 cents to VU, Vision Unlimited, to the building fund. 25 cents, 25% a week I gave. That's a lot of money. And, I, and it's not equal gifts, but it's equal sacrifice. And as a kid, now I didn't have any expenses, so it was all just profit. I could take the extra 75 cents and do what I want with it, I guess. Um, but they taught me that it's not just, it's not just tithe. We need, to, we need to give. Missions conference is coming up. Do you give to missions? Can you give just a little bit more? I don't have any more money to give. Can you give them a little bit more time? But, but we can still give. There, there's going to be money somewhere. And I'm not saying that you don't have any money. Lord, I'm going to give you $100 a week to, 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 to missions, but you're going to have to provide it somehow, and I'm, going to, and, and I'm going to promise it, but I can't do it. No, don't be foolish with it, but you can give something. You can give, you can give does your church have a building fund? The, the privilege that we had through missions and building fund to raise the money, the, men, the guys that were at the men's meeting where we can give and buy a generator for this, and we can do this and that, because people would give not a lot. I don't think we have people that give hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars a week. I'm sure there's some, but not everyone can do it, but everyone can give something. And if you get, and you may not be a member of this church, but when your church does something, you've got a part in it. When that missionary sees someone saved, that you support, that you're whatever it is, a couple dollars or one dollar or ten dollars is, you have a part in it. You know, we had a missionary, he passed away a few years ago, Justice Banwell, my dad, when he first got saved, used to write the checks to Justice Banwell. They would support him monthly. And he remembers writing that. I got to meet him once. And he passed away a few years ago. They say his influence in India, he had almost one million converts in India. From him and, and from his Bible, and, and what he did, his influence, there was a million people saved in India. You know what? My dad has part of that rewards, and now he's not doing it for rewards, but he got to give, and he got to write that check, and, and he remembered years later Justice Banwell to India, and he was still there, and he got a little bit of credit. He was, he, he was part of that. He can't go there, but we can do that. We can give just a little bit. What about to others? Giving to others. Do, we're, we're, like I said, we're so focused on ourselves, we don't look at the need next to us. Bus kid doesn't have a Bible. We can get him a Bible. What about your roommate? Your roommate, their sheets are torn and tattered, and they, and they can't. They're struggling just to get by. And I'm not saying if someone's foolish with their money that you should just dump money on them, but say, I can do that. I, look at that pillow. That, that, that pillow looks like it has COVID-27 on there, okay? You, the reason you didn't get COVID is because your, your pillow is all nasty and brown and black. So you, get, you know what I can do? 
I can buy that person a pillow. So they don't get sick. Or maybe, and then if they get sick, they're going to blame you because they got, you got rid of their, their immunity to it. I'm, I'm, it's silly. Someone's got holes in their socks. I can go and I can spend a few dollars. Just get them a couple pairs of socks. Do we, do we look now? Yeah, that's all the guys. You know, okay, means, you know, we all have holes in our socks. You know. As long as they, you know, once they get about that big, you've got to throw, you know, you throw them away. You know? Once you can see all your toes through it. And it's silly, but when do we look at the needs of others? When do we look at people around us? And I'm not saying give lots of money. And some of it's time. Sometimes it's, it's a little bit of your heart. Maybe you're going to pray for them. And, and maybe you go and say, hey, I'm praying for you. That they're giving something. But sometimes it, it may be a little bit of money. We can say, I, I, can, I can do something for that person. Give the mission. Tie, obviously, tithe. Give the mission. Do all that. But don't forsake the people around you or, or, or friends or others where you can help them. My grandma used to give every year to the bus kids camp fund for our bus. She was on a fixed income. She tithed. Didn't make a lot of money. She gave the missions. She gave the VU. And every year she would give. And it wasn't a whole lot of money. But over, over the six years of me being captain, it was like $3,600 that she would give. Every year she'd give money. Every month she would give money. And it wasn't just her. Her sister, who was not a member of our church, wanted to say, you know, I want to do something for the kids. And our, my church doesn't have it. But I'm going to give you some money. Buy something for the kids. Now that's gone, and she, she, she passed, my grandma passed away a few years ago, and even several years before that, she had to stop because she was in a nursing home. But she knew it was more blessed to give than to receive. What are we doing? Are we giving? Are we giving of our time? Wholeheartedly giving of our time, giving of our heart, giving of myself. Have I told God, have, have, you ever, have we ever told God, and have we told him lately, I'm yours, Lord. I'm giving, you, giving myself to you. Whatever your plan is for me, here I am. Send me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Ain't that right? And that's some good stuff. Please tune in again for another Maverick message.